Hey, this is John, and you're listening to the Mosaic Young Adult Podcast. To learn more about Mosaic Young Adults, visit us online at thisismosaic.org forward slash young adults. We hope this podcast is simply part of a greater conversation you have with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Galatians 5. For the freedom Christ has set, for, set us free, stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you, if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again, every man who accepts circumcision, that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You have severed from Christ, you would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. From the Holy Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything but only faith working in love. You were running well, who hindered you from obeying the truth. This persuasion is led from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lamp. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take the whole other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, by am I still persecuted? In the case of the offense of the cross, has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do you use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled by one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself, but if you bite and devour one another, watch out as you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For those who oppose to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, adultery, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensations, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these I warn you and are warned before that those who do these such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and against these things there is no law. And those who belong in Christ have crucified the flesh with the passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. This is the word of the Lord. All right. Hey, right on. Man, I was hoping you were going to be a little more awake. Yeah. (laughs) How's everybody doing? Hey, this is really good that most of y'all came to this side because I'm known for walking all the way over there and all the way over here, but now I can just kind of hang right here, except for you, Will. Sorry, buddy. I'll, I'll look over your way occasionally. Um, so yeah, but this is good. Uh, in case you don't know me, my name's Jason. I'm actually uh, on staff with students here, and uh, I get the privilege, honestly, of speaking in students uh, quite a bit, but I'm also the discipleship coordinator. All that means is, is that the guys who are our small group leaders uh, for our young men, I get the uh, privilege of 
discipling them, uh, helping to lead them and equip them to lead our teenage guys better. Um, so Caesar, appreciate the opportunity to come and speak to you guys. And uh, I get Galatians 5. And so, hey, this is great because this whole night we've already been talking about the Holy Spirit and we actually get to talk tonight about what it actually means to walk in freedom by the Spirit. What does it mean that the Spirit leads us into freedom? And I'll, I'll be honest, I was thinking about how to, uh, my mind has went like a million different directions on how should I start this sermon? Because uh, as we talked a couple weeks ago, we were like, hey, you're going to do the end of chapter four. And then like five, one, I got to be honest, the people who split up the numbers, you know, they probably did a pretty bad job. Five, one maybe should have been like the last verse of four, but instead they put it as five, one. And so now for us, it's become like a bridge verse. And so we're, we're actually starting with that. Um, but without unpacking everything that Caesar went to, we've already got this picture that we have these Judaizers coming in, telling the people in Galatia that they've got to not just have faith in Christ, but they also need circumcision. And they also need works of the law. So, and Paul is writing to them to say, that's not the way I taught you. That's not the gospel. That's not freedom. So he gives this example of Sarah and Hagar, and that's what you guys covered last week. And that goes back to a child of the free woman or a child of the slave woman. And he's going, hey, look, we're not children of the slave woman anymore. We're children of the free woman, okay? And Christ came to set us free. And that's where we start right here in Galatians 5. It says, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Now, I don't know why sometimes, but when I'm thinking through passages and when I'm reading them over and over and over again, sometimes stories come to my mind. And uh, I just had this like thought about how many times I moved with my mom. I, I, like, I'm assuming that most of y'all have either moved from a house to another house or helped someone move, right? Is everybody there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you can raise your hands too. Like you can tell, we can talk back, man. I'm used to talking to teenagers. Sometimes teenagers just like shout things back at you and you're like, what, what why are you saying that? Like, I don't understand, this isn't a conversation. No, but they say things at really inopportune times. So, uh, but, uh, but uh, I just started thinking about, my parents divorced when I was 12 and my mom, man, she's a gypsy. Like she still kind of is to this day. She's one of these people who she signs a lease for a year and that doesn't really matter. You can just leave it three months. It's no big deal. Like, you know, that's not good advice to you young adults. Like, don't do it. But she would just move. She'd just like break the lease, move on. Uh, find a little house, sign a six-month lease. Leave that for two months. No big deal. When I first got married to my wife, Leslie, we've been married 26 years now, but when I first got married to her, uh, she hadn't met my mother, actually, because uh, my mother and I are extremely close, or we weren't. Uh, we are now. But uh, uh, so I took my new wife to go meet my mom, in Claremont, she lived at 4th and Carroll, and uh, we walked up to the house and I knocked, no one answered, knocked again, no one answered. I looked through the window and the house was empty. And I'm like, oh, my mom moved and didn't tell me. Well, there you go, that's about our relationship. So uh, she had moved to Pensacola, she was up there for like two months, and then one day she calls me and goes, hey, y'all wanna have dinner? I'd like to meet Leslie, and uh, I'm like, we're not in Pensacola, mom. And she's like, oh no, I moved back to Claremont. 
Okay, so that's just so. We moved a lot. Now, how many of you have ever helped someone move who owns a piano? Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or maybe, a, you know, maybe you haven't, and maybe you're like, ah, not a piano, but maybe a really heavy hutch. Maybe like, you know, uh, what, one of those hutches that usually sit in like dining rooms and they just have dishes in them that nobody ever uses except maybe at Thanksgiving. Or maybe a really, really heavy couch, the ones that like they recline and they're electronic and they have all the gadgets and it's like, you would rather die than carry this couch. And then like, and then your friend happens to move to like the second floor of an apartment or maybe the third floor even, maybe, like maybe. I remember carrying pianos up two and three flights of steps. But I also remember these times when like, we would go to get the piano off the truck and there would be two or maybe three or four guys already carrying. And there's like, Jason, make sure we don't hit things. Make sure, and I'm like walking like this. I'm like, yeah, you're good, you're good. And then you get to the stairs and they're like, all right, help us up the stairs. But there's really no room for you in the stairwell. And so you're kind of just like, yeah. And they're like, you got it? And you're like, yeah, I mean, not really. You pretty much got all the way. But like, I'm, I'm here, I'm walking with you. This seems kind of cool. It's like I'm helping, but like, you're not really doing anything, but they're carrying the weight of it. And, and I was like, why does that come to my mind? And it's because that's what Paul's telling us in Galatians 5.1. And you're like, what? Uh, yeah, God works that way sometimes. Listen, what Paul's saying on the first verse here is, Jesus came so you wouldn't have to lift the heavy weight of your sin. He takes the heavy weight of your sin. He lifts the burden of your sin. But these Galatians were trying to take back some of the weight and go, no, 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 we can carry it. We, we can carry it. We can do it. And Paul's going, listen, he didn't come to set you free so you could pick the weight back up. We're children of the promise, born of a free woman. We're not children of the slave woman. We don't have to submit to the works of the flesh. We don't have to submit again to a yoke of slavery. Now, I just want to jump back real quick. There's a verse in Galatians 3 that I think is like a hinge on the door of Galatians. I think it's just, it sits right in the middle, 3-3, and I think it just makes so much sense for the whole book. I think the whole book rests on it. It says, are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Paul's saying, us believing that somehow we can do a work to add to the cross flies in the face of what Jesus came to do. Paul says, if you think you have to work for his love, his approval, for your salvation, then you're putting on a yoke of slavery because he came to carry that weight. And what, what is a yoke? I mean, Listen, I know a lot of us might be like bird people, you know, like so, suburb people. So we're like, I don't even, I've never seen a yoke. I've never like, you know, but there used to be like oxen or maybe bulls and you'd get behind them, you'd plow. Sometimes they'd put them on two horses and they'd plow with them. But it's a, it's a crossbar kind of thing. It goes over one neck, over the other neck and they'd put it on the two animals and they would pull together, okay? And what Paul's saying is, listen, if you put on this yoke of slavery, you're having to do the pulling, you're having to do the lifting, and that's not what Christ came for. 
Because Christ actually tells us in Matthew 11, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In other words, you can carry the full weight of the piano if you want. But I promise you, if you try and carry the full weight of the piano, you're going to hit a certain point. When the weight of the piano is going to be too much, you're going to come down the stairs and the piano is going to crush you and you're going to die. But if you'll just trust, if you'll just trust that Christ can carry the weight and you can help by doing what he directs you to do, you can live. You can choose to be judged by your own goodness, or you can, be choo- you can choose to be judged by his goodness. You can choose to take your own punishment for your failures, or you can choose to believe and by faith accept that he has paid the price for your failures. This is a big deal. It's not just either or, no big deal. If you add a little works to your faith, how big a deal is it? He says in the next verses, look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. Paul is telling the Galatians and us that if you want to try and add works and work your way to heaven, then you have to do all the work. James actually tells us whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. So it's ridiculous that anyone would be saved by the Spirit and then somehow by their own work be sanctified. It's this serious. Paul actually says in these verses, Christ will be of no benefit to you if you want to try to work your way into his grace. He says, if you want to try and work your way into his grace, it obligates you to keep the whole law. And if you break one of them, you're guilty of breaking them all. How are we doing? I got to be honest, I've been married 26 years. I've broke a lot of laws. And I'm just mean. My wife can be like, yep, he's a jerk. Sometimes. Yep. He's not the best. Sometimes. That's just the way it is, right? So all of us have sinned today. You drove here, right? There's Highway 50 out there, right? Like, yeah. So I've been here a long time. Used to live in country garden apartments right down the road. 50's always been that bad, okay? That was 30 years ago. It's always been bad. We know sin comes out. Sometimes not in the Christian version. (laughs) You know, you Christian cuss, you know, no. Sometimes you just really, you go there, like full on, like, you know. But Paul also says, if you try to work your way to heaven, you will actually be severed from Christ. And then you've fallen from grace. So here's the simple but hard truth. You cannot work your way to God. And if you want to try, all you'll get is judgment. You can only be saved by faith in Christ. You have already sinned. Apart from him, you have no hope. Paul takes this so seriously because it has eternal consequences. He tells the Galatians, don't accept this even a little bit. He says in the next verses, you were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? 
This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. Paul's like, where did you get this from? You didn't get this from Jesus. He didn't do, he didn't tell you this. He came to bring freedom. Just for freedom's sake, he set you free. You didn't get this from him. Who did this to you? And this phrase, a little leaven, it's really interesting because if you look that verse up or that phrase up, you actually find it in Corinthians also. So Paul's writing to the church in Corinth, and he actually says in chapter five, it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that is not tolerated even among pagans, for a man has his father's wife, and you are arrogant. Ought you not rather to mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from among you. You are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? These Corinthians were off the other side of it. They weren't being legalistic. They were letting their freedom in Christ let them do whatever they wanted to do. And Paul uses the same phrase. Paul's saying, if you don't deal with this, you're telling the church and the world you can follow Jesus and have sex apart from the way he designed it. This will bleed out into the church and affect everyone, he's saying. In Galatia, Paul's saying, if a few of you try to add the law, it will affect everyone. No one will live in freedom. If you accept this teaching, you're saying, we need more than just the cross. We need more than just Christ. We need circumcision. It's the same as the church in Corinth. How? One's just legalism and one is license, but the heart is the same, and that's why it's so dangerous. Listen, the Corinthian church, premarital sex and sex that is anything other than the way he designed it within the confines of marriage. He's saying, listen, it's not about the act itself or whether you can do it or not. It's about, is Christ enough? God says sex was created for the covenant of marriage. Outside of marriage, is Christ enough for you to satisfy you? 60, Psalm 1611 says, in your presence, there's fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Do you believe that? So when you're sleeping with your boyfriend or your girlfriend, you're saying to God in the world, Christ is not enough. I need sex too. So if you have a few people living among you with that belief, that will spread throughout the community. And the same is true here in Galatia. If you get a few people believing that Christ is not enough, see the heart? Christ isn't enough. We need circumcision too. Christ isn't enough. We need sex too. That was the Corinthian problem. The Galatian problem is, oh no, we need some works too. So this is a faith issue. Do you believe God or not? Because what we choose to believe or not believe can affect the entire community. That's why it's important. It's important. And Paul, it's so important that Paul ends this little section with this little gem in, chapter, in verse 12. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. In case you were wondering how seriously Paul takes this teaching, he believes that it perverts the gospel so horrendously that he says, I wish the people who taught you this would castrate themselves. Don't stop at the foreskin, go all the way. That's what Paul's saying. If you want to bring circumcision in, be done with it all. 
How do you think that would go over? How do you think that would go over nowadays if someone was teaching a theology that the pastor stood up here and called that person out in front of the whole church? I wish that you would castrate yourself and bleed out. Like I wish you would just be done. But here's the thing. How many hip hop fans? Hip hop fans? Yeah, me too. Okay, so um, I don't listen to them much anymore, but Eminem is like the master of double entendres, okay? So uh, if you know what a double entendre is, it's just you're saying a phrase and it could have two meanings. It's the same thing we see right here. Paul was the original master of the double entendre. Okay, so uh, he wasn't a rapper really. I just totally made that up right now. But anyways, so he's saying right here, I wish that they would castrate themselves, yes, but he's also saying, I wish they would cut themselves off from the body. I wish they would cut themselves off from the church because I would rather lose one person to hell than the whole community. Because whether they castrate themselves or cut themselves off, there's the potential in either to die. Paul is this serious about this because this isn't just bad theology. This is the kind of theology that severs people from Christ. It causes Christ to be of no benefit to them. In other words, there are theologies that damn people to hell. So Paul is saying, if you're going to teach that kind of gospel perverting bad theology, I would rather you cut yourself off and we lose you than lose the whole community. And listen, you might be saying, Jason, this is whatever. You know, like we're not really talking about circumcision nowadays. That's not really a thing. Nobody's sitting up in here trying to tell us we need to circumcise uh, our, our little boys and men and all that. Yeah, yeah, but listen, we, we have Bible studies. And we have church services. And we have mission serve. And we have a kid's ministry to serve in. We got Mix 56. We got this stage. We got all kinds of ways that we can think somehow we're getting closer to Jesus. We have all kinds of ways to think that somehow we're doing the right things and Jesus is somehow lo like loving us more. The way we tell this is, is that if you're the type of person, and you can answer this for yourself in your own mind, your own heart, and I'll be, I'll be straight. I have been this person. I fall to being this kind of person pretty regularly. I have to check myself all the time and remind myself of the gospel. If you're the type of person who you don't spend time in the word, you don't spend time in prayer, you don't come serve in Mosaic Kids, or you don't come serve in Mix 56, or you don't do mission serve when it comes around, or maybe you haven't been to church in three or four weeks, if that makes you feel shame and guilt, and somehow God must love other people more because you've been a bad child, you're trying to work your way to Jesus. You've accepted circumcision. And I would say to you, don't accept it. Don't accept it. We get to help Jesus carry the piano up the stairs. We're not really doing anything. We got our hands on it. We're walking with him, but we're not really doing, like he's doing the work. He's lifting it all. Like, but he lets us join him. We get to do this. This isn't something that's getting us closer to him. Jesus doesn't love me more because I preach a sermon. 
So we still have works. Galatians 5.13 says, For you are called to freedoms, brother. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. After establishing that we can't legalistically work our way, he turns the tables and says, Oh yeah, also don't use that freedom that Jesus bought for you on the cross. Don't use that for an opportunity for the flesh because that's slavery also. Paul goes the other direction because our flesh continually pulls us towards law or license. We're always being pulled to either legalism. How many people I got that are legalism people? We all know who we are. And like, are you the type of person who like, you think you need to do things and like, that's you? Or are you the type of person that when you're getting, you know, you're kind of falling away, you fall towards license. It's like, well, I'm free. I mean, you know, big deal. And you like fall into sin all kinds of times. Nobody's being honest about that, which means you're all liars. So you obviously fall towards license. So, but, but, you know, so sorry. He was like, I raised my hand. Hope was, Hannah was like, I raised my hand too. I don't know what you're talking about. But, but yeah, we all fall to one side or the other because the way of the spirit is not legalism or license. Paul says you don't have to live that way. It doesn't have to be an either or because the way of the spirit is an other. It's not either or. He goes on, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Paul says, you don't have to walk the path of legalism or licentiousness. You can walk by the spirit. What path is that? It's the path of love. He actually connects walking by the spirit to loving your neighbor as yourself and not biting and devouring each other. So to do what Paul's calling us to do and what God has freed us to do, we can't do it by our own power. We need the help of the spirit because here's the thing. We all drive Highway 50, and so we don't want to love the people around us sometimes. But we need the Spirit to help us to not bite and devour one another and to love our neighbor. When I was thinking through this truth uh, about walking this way and how we fall off and different things, it brought up this uh, old book by a guy named John Bunyan. I think KD actually mentioned this like six or seven weeks ago in his sermon. There's a book by John Bunyan called Pilgrim's Progress. Some of you maybe read it. But in Pilgrim's Progress, it's an allegory of the Christian life. And so there's a guy named Christian and he's saved out of the city of destruction. And he's saved out of all the things in the city of destruction, all the sin that goes on there and God saves him. And then he's headed towards the celestial city, which is the promised land, which is heaven, which is being with Jesus. And so the whole book is his journey from the city of destruction to the celestial city. And I was reading this and that, that imagery just kept coming to my mind because it's like, that's how this is. We're constantly being pulled. Like our flesh wants to go back to the city of destruction and the spirit's going, no, let's keep going towards the promised land. Don't go back. Don't go back. It's just slavery. You don't want to go back to slavery. Keep walking in freedom. Keep walking towards what Christ has done for you. Galatians 5, 17 says, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. So the flesh has its desires and it's against the spirit 
And the Spirit has a desire, and it's against the flesh. We see this play out in Paul's life in Romans 7. He says, the things that I don't want to do, I keep on doing. And the things that I don't want to do are the things I... Things I don't want to do, I keep on doing. And the things I want to do, I don't do. Yeah, that was it. Sorry. I like, man, I was like, man, I was saying that too fast, got wrapped up in it. So, but Paul's reminding us that like, we're constantly pulled. Like our flesh constantly wants to go back. It's like the people of Israel, they were saved out of slavery and then they get out into the wilderness and they're like, man, maybe we should go back to Egypt. Like maybe we should go back to Egypt. And God's just like, no, keep going. Promised land, promised land. Keep the promised land in mind. So Paul continues, now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. These are what Paul says the works of the flesh are. And just so you know, this is not a comprehensive list. This isn't a, hey, well, if you just don't do these, you made it. No, that's why it put, and things like these. So like there's, there's lots more. But I think that Paul picked these specifically, and this is why. Because these are the things. He's just told us that walking by the Spirit is not about biting and devouring, but about loving one another. And these things are me-focused. These things are, I only care about me. My wife and I, whenever we're driving and somebody like cuts us off or whenever we're like in a line somewhere and somebody like cuts in front or whatever, we're just always like, yeah, it's your movie, man. We're just extras, no big deal. Like, you know, that's these. Like, it's, it's your movie. Like, you're just doing whatever and everybody else is just an extra in your movie. But they don't think about the hurt and the harm and the damage and the trauma they cause to other people. This way is the way that devours others. But then Paul says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. The fruit of the Spirit is all outward focused. Thinking of others, caring for others, loving others well. This is the way of Christ. Against such things, there is no law. When we walk by the Spirit in freedom, we don't devour one another. We care for one another. Now, I feel it necessary in today's culture to uh, say this, and hopefully you'll understand why. Being kind and patient and gentle and loving does not mean tolerating one another's sin. A pastor once said, tolerance and Christian love cannot coexist with one another. Let me say it again. Tolerance and Christian love cannot coexist. If you don't understand what that means, let me say it a different way. How loving can it be to not correct the very things in someone that Christ died to set them free from? How loving can it be to not try to turn someone around when they're trying to go back to the city of destruction? A young adult a couple years ago that I knew, he was just struggling in sin, struggling in sin, and kept falling and kept falling. And I called him out, like, pretty hard. We had to have a hard conversation. He didn't speak to me for six months. And then after six months, I happened to see him at a mutual friend's party. 
And I was standing in the kitchen and kind of got to talking and we were just talking about the Lord, talking about the kingdom. And I kind of get in these weird habits sometimes where it don't matter if I'm in a kitchen or a living room or I don't know, anywhere. I just kind of start almost like half preaching and I'm just kind of going there in the kitchen and then they're all listening and it was cool. And then this brother actually says, man, that's so good. And he says in front of the whole group, I just wanted to let you know, man, like you called me out six months ago and I know we haven't talked, but like, I'm so glad you called me out because you offended me so bad, but I'm glad you called me back. And I'll tell you guys what I told him. I would rather offend you into heaven than coddle you into hell. It is not loving to let people keep going on and on in their sin. That is not loving. It is not loving to tolerate a person turning around and walking back to the city of destruction. The answer is also not to call them to some sort of legalism, like if they could just live a certain way, then maybe they'll be right with God. That's not right either. The way of the Spirit is to call each other to freedom, to live not according to our own desires and wants, but to the way of Christ that is ultimately a way of love and peace. We should walk in a way that we are continually turning each other towards the celestial city, towards the kingdom, towards the promised land, towards Christ. Christ saved us from the yoke of slavery, whether that yoke is legalism or licentiousness. And in Galatians 5.24, he says, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. This is Paul's definitive statement about those who live by the Spirit. Those who belong to Jesus kill their flesh with its passion and desires. They walk in freedom. They walk by the Spirit. They love well. Paul echoes what he wrote to the church in Rome. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So do not live according to the flesh, but put it to death by following the Spirit. And then he wraps the whole chapter up with if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. I love this because he's not actually saying if we live by the Spirit, as if like we've made some choice to live by the Spirit or not. He's actually saying, since you live by the Spirit, in the Greek, it's like, if we live by the Spirit, like, yeah, I mean, we are. Like, if, well, if we live by the Spirit. So he's saying, since you live by the Spirit, also keep in step with the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. And to walk by the Spirit is to walk in love, in the way of Christ, in the fruit of the Spirit, not in the works of the flesh. Loving one another, not devouring each other for selfish pleasure and gain. The way of the Spirit will always lead us towards life. If you have anything going on in your life that you're like, man, I don't really know. You're second guessing whether it's flesh or spirit. Does it lead to life or does it lead to death? Does it lead to only thinking of yourself or does it actually look outside yourself and think of the community around you? True, loving, spirit-led life always leads us to freedom and always leads us to Christ not what he saved us from. We don't turn around and go back. So let me ask you, are you living in the freedom of Christ 
or are you trying to earn your way into his acceptance? Are you walking in the spirit or are you gratifying the flesh? Are you living as a citizen of the city of destruction or are you living as if the celestial city is your home? Because I can tell you this world is not our home. That sounds crazy. Like we don't talk that way, but like we just don't. But like this world is not your home. Like we're just, it says we're sojourners here. We're literally just people passing through. This, this isn't our thing. But while we're going through, we have just a few opportunities to put our hands on the piano and join Jesus in his work as he's saving others to journey along with us who can call us back from the times we turn around towards the city of destruction and we can call them back. Are you tolerating sin in your own life or are you crucifying the flesh to surrender to the spirit in his way? As we sing this next song, as this song response goes on, I just want you to think about this. Is there any part of your life that you haven't surrendered to the spirit? Is there any part of you that you're just still holding on to? Is there any part, whether it be sin or whether it be works, or whether it be that you, that you just want to lay down tonight and go, Lord, I, 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 I want to rest. I want to take on your yoke. I want to let you carry the weight because I've been trying to carry it. And mine just keeps leading me to sin or it keeps leading me to feeling like I'm working myself to death trying to get your approval. I just want to rest in that you approve. Brady White said something to me this week. I was having a rough week. Man, I wasn't planning on saying this, but I was having a rough week. And uh, I was standing in here at the coffee machine and uh, Brady White walked up and I was just kind of telling him a little bit. And uh, he goes, Jason, you're doing a good job. And I just like lost it. Like it just, it just broke me. Just that one phrase. And he said, you know, Three different times in the scriptures, we see God say, say to Jesus, like while Jesus is there, like he says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And he's like, man, if Jesus had to hear that, if Jesus had to hear the father going, you're doing a good job, I'm well pleased. Like how much more do we, do we need to hear that? And some of you have maybe just been trying to carry a weight it's not yours to carry. And you've been trying to just work your way and you just hope that, man, you do enough devotions, you spend enough time on your knees, you go to enough services, you go to enough Bible studies, you do enough service projects that maybe God really loves you. I just think you just seem to hear, you're doing a good job. 
rest, rest. For freedom, he came to set you free. He didn't come to set you free so that you could just work harder. You're doing a good job. Lay it down, let him have it. Father, I just pray. that you would just let your children hear your voice. Let them hear you saying in their hearts and in their minds, this is my son, this is my daughter, in whom I'm well pleased. I pray that they would live in the freedom that you bought for them on the cross and they would lay down the burden of works and rest in the fact that you love them fully. And I pray if anyone in this room is just still locked up in the bondage of sin, Lord, for freedom's sake, set them free. Let their sins be washed away. Free them to be your child. Holy Spirit, come. In Jesus' name. Thanks again for spending some time with us on the Mosaic Young Adults podcast. Our hope for you is that Jesus will use this message you just received and direct your heart completely towards him. If you want to hear more messages like this one, please feel free to check out our past episodes and subscribe so you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes.